Hi, my name is Christina Kearns. I'm the Executive Director of 20 Summers. I'm so grateful to have with us here today John Lucas and Claudia Rankin, who are going to talk to us about their situations videos. And I'm going to hand it over to the two of them. Hi, John. Hi, Claudia. I'm sorry. John Lucas, filmmaker, collaborator with Claudia Rankin. Hi, um, I'm Claudia, I'm poet, playwright, um, person in the world. <laughs> Um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing um, with 20 Summers not only the 10 situation videos that are up, but I know that there's 11 that will be released rather soon as well. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, hear from you a little bit more of the background of this video series and then maybe we can get into uh, the 10th the one as well. Well, um, we started doing the situation videos as a way to respond in real time to events that happened, as opposed to a publishing schedule or a film schedule that takes much longer. These were things that we could make at home between the two of us, um, using, in many cases, appropriated footage. Um, um, and it was not um, motivated by a market it's not something to sell or or it was just literally at home response to events and dynamics in american culture and sometimes outside of american culture um the zidane being one that came in as something worth responding to and um in most cases um I do the text and we work on um, the idea and then John does the editing um, aspect of it. And um, um, yeah, so that's, that's how the very first one was on Katrina. We had, we had um, collected or taped CNN's coverage of Katrina crisis and uh, we had all of the tape and people talking. And so all the text in the Katrina situation video, almost all of it, with a little exception at the end, comes from those CNN tapes. Um, um, and, and that is the one that got the whole idea started. Yeah, it was a real sort of, I mean, it was personal to us, I think, in a way, because we were living in Houston, Texas at the time. And then a lot of people who were um, leaving um, Louisiana and um, New Orleans were coming to Texas. And uh, it just, it was almost in slow motion. We had a, a our daughter was how old? 2000. She was probably two, three years old at the time. So we were just home in the house, basically in the bed, watching hours and hours of this thing in slow motion coming and nothing happening. So it just felt like we had to respond to it. Wow. And um, I wanted to ask you too, with Situations 10, um, I, had never, I had never seen that footage before. Um, what, what, can you give us a little bit of background of what it is we're, we're watching when we look at Situations 10? Stranger shoes. 
Uh, the visuals in Situation 10 come from time I spent at the inauguration uh, of the president. <clears throat> and also, I spent five days at the convention, uh, the Republican convention in Cleveland. So, uh, and when filming, uh, Claudia and I were also at the time working on a piece on blondness, uh, on blonde hair. And um, so I was taking pictures there. And then I thought, as he was giving his speech, there was a whole scrum of reporters in the front trying to get the straight shot. And I was moving around and I looked at the left side and saw this kind of really warped view with the screen. And it reminded me of a, the sort of uh, Lenny Rothenstahler's propaganda footage for uh, Hitler. And I thought this is the perfect, um, perfect way to, to show Trump. And then from there, um, yeah, so that's where all the footage came, either from the convention or um, except for the news footage. The news footage, I just copied footage from the TV. Right. So this is this the first time that you used, I guess, non-appropriated footage alongside the appropriated media footage? Uh, no, there was a series uh, from the situation, I might want to say it's... Is it two, the one in the airplane? That was sort of our response to 9-11. A lot of those were still footages that both of us took on planes. Oh, wow, okay. How did... the... oh, I'm sorry? No, please continue. Well, those Claudia, we were traveling once and Claudia had seen this couple, or, well, three people actually, across from us who were sleeping. And she said, take that picture. And then from there, I think she sort of got the idea to, to write the, uh, the text for that piece. And then she th we thought, well, why don't we go around and just shoot everybody we can <laughs> sleeping on airplanes because it would make sense to sort of layer that into the piece. Did anybody notice what you were doing? I mean, clearly a lot of the people were sleeping, but was there any, there, was there any response to the fact that you were making art on the plane? No, we were stealth about it. Well, I, I, I was told, um, the question of whether or not it's a public space, because you can shoot in public spaces, um, was a question we had. And um, so it really depended. I, I think on some planes, the stewardess were like, no, no photography on this plane and other planes, they didn't care. But we didn't, we didn't wake people up and ask them. <laughs> we took the you know, there's, that's an issue to think we thought about. Yeah. We didn't think we were taking them out of context in, in any way. So, yeah. And Claudia, had you considered putting text over Situations 10? Or this is the first one where there's no text involved, I think. Exactly. Um, no, because after John made it, there, you know, the text really is Trump saying, I am your voice. And so in that case, the silence around his... Um, imposed representation of um, the American public to me was what was relevant in that there. Mm -hmm. I also, um, there's the media scrawl that eventually comes into about the FBI looking into certain things and it was, I, I thought it was the inauguration up until that point and then when I saw the media scrawl I was like was that already happening? Like was it that quickly that this started to engage? Um, and, and it was just really powerful to see the juxtaposition of that angle you had um, of the screen of Trump and the, 
and the people waiting silently and then that news coming across. And um, I think all of the situations videos so like very, doing a kind of incredible job of turning the lens back on the media and how they're situating things. And I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about, um, you know, whether, how, how as artists you engage with the media as they, as they do these sorts of things. Mm, I'm thinking even while you were talking about the media, early on before the situation videos, Claudia had created, we created this website that was Claudia's idea called New Media Poets. And I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. That was almost the provenance, I think, for the situation videos. In a sense, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I don't know what year that was, but it was, it was before September 11th. A week before we launched it. We launched it um, the week of September 11th, actually. And prior to that, I was just concerned that writers were not engaging in public discourse around everything that was happening. And, you know, there was that sense that the arts were over here and, um, politics and life was in another place. And, you know, especially for a black writer, the, what happens a lot is that um, people within the field accuse you of being sociologists or not writing real work or not being creative because you're engaging, you know, life as if they're not writing about the protective nature of their own white supremacist oriented positioning and that way they can stay out of politics in the sense that the politics is their life you know and so i wanted to start um a, a website and i talked to john about uh, us doing this because i wanted to have it have poems but also be linked to all the major newspapers and so that the stories as they arrived was all was right there that people didn't have to go find them that they were right there and then a few days later once we launched it september 11th happened wow wow how did that um how did did you feel like this this place you created for writing for poetry to actually engage like did it have some extra responsibility then to respond to 9-11 or how do you i mean how do you even well i didn't even think of it as extra responsibility i i saw it as um as the responsibility you know it, that it it you know we've had a tradition of writers across time who have responded to that what was happening in the real world in in their world um people everybody from um yates to you name it and so it it just seemed to me that that actually should be what is happening we cannot be silent in the face of of all that is happening you know um, culture forms people and so what forms us should also inform us in a certain way yeah that's a really really beautiful way of stating it um 
Can we talk a little bit about the Situations 11 video as well? Um, I, um, I was really intrigued by like there's the how it came together like when you guys collaborate on any of these videos you know you mentioned that you work on the text and then john works on the video or maybe vice versa and is it do you really work separately and then the two come together and how do you how do you finalize the piece and how does it how does it act as a collaboration that honors all of the different ways that your that your senses are taking in the video hmm. Well, it, we actually don't work separately. Okay. I mean, John does the technical things, but we're constantly talking. I mean, you know, he might show me a draft of something and I'm like, no, we need to include this image and this image and this image. And then he'll go away and he'll include those things or not include them or whatever. And, you know, um, so there's a constant back and forth in in the sense that the final product is a product that it has come through discussions about um, whether a thing has extended itself enough in terms of its rendering. I mean, I think what we often encounter is John is finished before I am. And, <laughs> and would you say that's true? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm the one who's always like, no, could we add in this thing? Can we add, can we extend this? Can we, um, you know, fine tune this thing over here? On 11, Claudia was writing a, a piece on Amy Cooper in the, the Central Park case. And, and then that video just seemed like it was natural to, to, to make something out of that. So... Uh -huh. I mean, I think it's one of the most important um, videos released, actually. Would you mind saying a little bit more? Our video or the, or the video itself? The video itself. Well, the video itself, yeah, it's, there's just so much happening in it. Um, and, and the one thing that, a thread that Claudia was thinking about, I think, was the politeness of, of uh, Amy Cooper. Excuse me while i calling the police to risk your life. Um, you know, to put your life at risk. And uh, it just, it, I think it, you know, I don't know um, how, <laughs> I'm just trying to go back and remember how the process was, but I just remember Claudia was writing on Amy Cooper and she said, we have to make the video of it. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. But then <laughs> she kept on insisting and uh, thought about it some more and, um, yeah, and there was that process from there. But I, I, I remember this was one that was more, I had to be pushed into it. I remember that. Well, I had, I was writing a piece on the video, which never got published. But I had spent a lot of time thinking about that video because I do think it's an important video. Because it's not often, you know, we think about racism in American society. We think about um, police violence in American society. We think about... Um, um, the Karens as a kind of half joke, half um, um, weaponized, um, violent in this society. But the thing that Amy Cooper did was she performed the entire thing for us with no, you know, Christian Cooper basically just videotaped her making up a story, calling the police, and then um, performing a threat 
that didn't exist. We could all see it didn't exist, but she kept, and then when she didn't like the first performance, she did it again. And when she didn't like the second performance, she did it again. And now we recently found out there was a second phone call where she said she was actually assaulted. So she actually, you know, she she called 911 again. Um, It came out after we, we made the video or else we would have adjusted it to that. And, and told them that she, she actually was assaulted. And, and so she didn't get the results she wanted when she, she did the first thing. So she went back again and made a second phone call. And then she, um, within the entire thing, what struck me was how much she maintained the decorum of civility you know, saying excuse me to him when she turned her back to call the police, um, referring to him as an African-American man rather than anything else derogatory. And so it it's a good example of how it actually goes down a lot of the times, you know, and 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 how his life actually could have ended despite doing nothing but asking a question. I think also, while we've been making these videos, one thing that's been very frustrating is often we don't get to see the person who's complicit in the deaths. Uh, You know, Trayvon Martin, John Crawford in the Walmart in Ohio. There are these people that are making these calls and putting these lives at risk. And while making the other videos, we were sort of frustrated, like, how come these people are never arrested? How come no, nothing is ever done to them? And here, we had just the perfect example. Uh, hi, Kat. <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, it was right there. And then there were so many other things. that their, Both their names were Cooper. Who knows? Maybe they're related <laughs> somewhere down the line. So it just seemed natural to, um, you know, to yeah. use it. And it's easy to add more of the visuals once I've got amazing language from Claudia. Well, also, you know, I just finished a book called Just Us, where the project of that book was to look at an individual encounter and then open out that encounter to its historical context and also to the systemic nature of that so that Amy Cooper has been socialized to believe that her own fragility can be weaponized to kill a black man. And that has been how the lynchings occurred, um, how Emmett Till was murdered, brutally murdered. And and in some ways with the use of the DA office, with um, um, DAs, the DAs who were involved in the Central Park five case um that was another way of using that same thing to to get five young kids um imprisoned for you know a good chunk of their lives on false evidence and that was that was pushed by a white woman so how how are white women um in collusion with white um patriarchy and white power in this country. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I think you guys did a beautiful job. I mean, your text over it, just like your, your voice, your cadence, the way that you're describing what we're, what we're watching um, is so important. And it's really, like, I, didn't, I hadn't actually seen the video of Amy Cooper until then. I knew of it. 
Um, and I thought like, I don't, I don't have to watch this. Like I already know what this is, but watching what you did with it and made me, you know, watch what I could. And it, it is so much more powerful. Like, even if you think you already know what, like the dangers and the peril that white women put black men and black women in different ways into, um, just like, it was like, it was just so startling to see someone who, like, you know, she was on a walk with her dog, you know, she was not prepared for this moment. And yet she was fully prepared. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and all, and I, I, I think all white women are like that. Like, no one wants to watch, like, no white woman I know, including myself, wants to watch the Amy Cooper video and say that's me. But if any of us are honest, we know we have that in us. We know that we've been trained to think that the police are there to protect us, that we have the right to space in a different way than other people, that um, that somehow, like even, even though I didn't learn about Emmett Hill and didn't learn about many other things until I was in college, you, you just already know. You just already know it's there to protect yourself. And, and it's been very strange uh, you know, over the last few years, as we've seen these deaths, these public deaths of black men and black women, um, not to have that, that link be made, that it is, you know, we don't have access to all the recordings, but we know it's white women that are calling, <laughs> like, we know this is true. And for me, it's been like a, it's been really interesting, because up until now, there have been people I know who are sort of like part of the newly woke uh, environment that we're in who like when criticizing whiteness when criticizing racism sort of exclude white women from that narrative you know it's like well not them because you know they are also oppressed because of the patriarchy and uh this was like a really you know devastating thank god he's okay like that part's good but you can say like no like we have to stop saying <laughs> that this is that, that white women are not a part of it, like that this whole structure isn't built on like this idea of femininity as something that needs to be protected and that femininity is, is white. And I don't know, I just thought you did a fantastic job with this video and I'm, I'm so appreciative that you, that you took the time to, to make it. Well, Thank they, you. they really need to be a part of it and that's why, I mean, Claudia insists, in the end it just had Derek Chauvin, his face, the cop who murdered Floyd, and then Claudia had seen the, the footage of the Portland moms. So we added that at the end as a way of a little hopeful that, you know, um, we need them to show up in this election. If they don't, it's over. But what I thought was kind of interesting is you see the Portland mom, and I wasn't even sure yet, like, who are they? <laughs> Which type of white protesters am I looking at? <laughs> I don't know how to feel. Um, and it's I mean, they, they're there as as protesting um, um, as as anti-racist but the openness the reason there's no text to contextualize that section is we don't really know how things are going to fall out you know are those women going to return to the suburbs once um, Biden is and Harris are elected and think it's all taken care of again or are they going to actually um, continue to show up for an anti-racist agenda we'll see yeah yeah I mean what do you what do you think oh I was 
thinking about something else while we were making it, but we can. Uh... No, okay. <laughs> well, on an earlier version um, of the video, uh, Situation 11, um, I thought the way that she had treated her dog during it was really um, something to try to get across. So I'd, I had taken, blown it up, and it just really kind of focused from her on to this dog slowly being strangled as it's spinning around. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting way of trying to get across to people that she doesn't even care about this dog that she loves. But Claudia's like, we got to take the gaze off of, you know, it's got to stay on her, which I thought in the end was a good, was a good choice. Yeah, well, too, because if you stay on the dog, it's like you're making an analogy between black people and the dog. Yeah. It's not a good analogy to be making. No, no. I'm glad. I think, I think it was well done. I don't know what the earlier versions were, but I appreciated there was the way it was done. And also there was just so much talk afterwards about, you know, the conversation shifts a little bit towards like, although I guess it's in some ways an important conversation, like how like white people, white women in particular, like are more like interested in like animal rights, like that dog's rights than anybody else's, um, which is deeply problematic, but I'm, I'm glad. I was thinking when I did that. What's that? That's what I was thinking when I was in the other version. <laughs> yeah, but that would have been a different script. <laughs> it would have been a different script, yeah. I like, I like what you actually did with it. Um, I was thinking about your Situations 10 video um, and um, recently I, I was reading a piece about how, how the media, what the media chose to focus on with the emails with Hillary Clinton last election, how they, in part, they did that because they were so sure she was going to win. And they were sort of like building out like what were the media focus be? And then, and then they were wrong. <laughs> and then it shifted and how there's like some concern that to a certain extent that's happening again, right? Like, um, they're, they're not focusing on the China account that Trump has. They're not focusing on a lot of different things. They're playing, they're kind of playing it for, for their own revenue, for their own gain. And even after seeing what happened before, it's really, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that we're doing this all over again. Um, and so thinking in terms of, you know, we're, we're having this conversation on October 30th, but it's going to come out November 10th. And, uh, in the meantime, hopefully we'll, I mean, have a different president, but at least know the outcome um, by November 10th. And like to the, to the point of like, if it's not Trump, if it's Biden, will people think that this video is no longer relevant? You know, and does that matter? Does that like, like, why are we so quickly to like, I don't, I'm doing about it up with science, but I feel like there's, there's in the publishing world, in the media world, if if on November 10th, Trump's not the president, then just like cut all the stuff about Trump, you know, like just focus on whatever new negative thing you can do. But I don't see how we shouldn't still watch that. We shouldn't like, we're still gonna be impacted by this man. Well, that's the, yeah. I mean, that's the danger. I mean, one, I would say credit you have to give to Trump is that he tore the bandaid, she's looking at me like, what? He tore the bandaid off, you know, of, of what, you know, of, of white supremacy and that it's there and we have to, we have to confront it. it. And sure, Biden wins, you know, will people like Claudia say go back to the suburbs and think, okay, we did our thing and it's all right because everything will still be there. I mean, 42% of the country, where, what are they gonna do? You know, Trump will, maybe Trump will form if he loses a Trump television and, and still continue rallies 
and God knows what, but those people are either going to feel aggrieved um, or they're going to feel emboldened. And uh, either way is not a good thing. No. I mean, I the country at large is looking for leadership. I, 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 I think even his people are looking for leadership at this point when you have um, the virus kicking up into a new level of um, spreading. You know, um, we live in New Haven and we've just moved back to stage two um, in the last days because uh, the numbers are increasing. So I think whoever wins the election and, you know, if, if Trump wins the election again, um, we are in trouble we, we can, because we are in trouble now. We're in a constitutional crisis now. We have a, a, a sitting president who could care less about the American public and they know it. And the level of um, precarity, economic precarity, um, health precarity that is um, present, we are as a country only seeing the tip of the iceberg because every day it continues, it gets worse. And people are being impacted at, you know, in ways that are going to increase crime, increase deaths, increase all kinds of things. So, so I think we will live with the legacy of Trump for a long time. And, um, you know, I've even read articles where they say that this, his administration is planning on um, stripping and firing everybody so that Biden, if he wins, will have to reinstate everyone and take the, the time that that takes. And so he, he is really intent on crippling this country and crippling its ability to come back from the devastation that he caused. So I, in that sense, I think these, these um, videos will remain relevant. And, and also, you know, I had a play open at the Shed recently called Help, and one of the lines in the play is, it's not just him. And I think that is something that people really need to put in their um, database because we have people in the Senate, we now have a handmaiden in the, in the Supreme Court, you know, we all over the place, we have um, people who represent his point of view, whether or not he is present. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I can't, I can't say any better than you have. Um, I, I've heard, I want to push back a little bit on what you said, John, um, but in a, in, a, in a dialogue way, not in a, in a critical way. Um, all dialogue. <laughs> all, wait, the connection is... Uh, <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the idea that, um, that it was, that the people needed to see that white supremacy existed, I guess I, I wonder, I feel like a lot of people already know that white supremacy exists. Right, like there's like maybe a lot of white people who don't know or think that it does, um, but I think it's been an an obvious lived reality for a lot of people. Um, I think though there's language that's out there that people are using they never did before, talking about white privilege and 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 you know in environments in corporate environments in places that you never would have heard of before, and there are people who are coming to a reckoning. And I, I agree with John in the sense that um, this president um, amplified what we knew. 
you know, we knew that white supremacy was out there as a foundational um, um, structural thing. We understand how racism functions. We understand how sexism functions. We understand how fascism functions. But we were still able to believe that the checks and balances of this democracy were keeping things um, workable, in yeah. a sense. And with Trump, we have the amplification of a white supremacist agenda and a fascist agenda. And, and so suddenly we are seeing what it means to live in a house divided. Yeah. I mean, at the last debate, I believe Biden said, you know, we have this country has systematic racism and, uh, you know, and we need to reform the police. And that never would have happened uh, at a presidential debate before. Without Trump, without right. Trump. Right, that's true. Yeah, I mean, in the early primary, the Democrat primaries, a lot of those conversations, I was like, I couldn't, I can't have imagined these being the, the talking points beforehand. Um, Even though Reagan did a lot to cripple this country in many of the same ways, and so did Clinton in other ways, we never imagined having a president on television telling a white supremacist group to stand by. Like that is not something that was in the um, vocabulary of what it meant to be president for any of us, I don't believe, even though we knew that many of the same kinds of commitments were in play legislatively. We, I, I, I don't think I ever heard anybody, we have the tapes, so we know that Nixon and Reagan and all of them are saying it behind closed doors. But on television, Proud yeah. Boy Standby, that's a new one. That is new. And what do, you, what do you do with that? Like, I don't even know how, like, that's like, that's such a traumatic event. Like, if, if only that, like, it's just like with Trump, with Trump in the last four years, it's like one trauma, one trauma, like after another and another and another. I mean, we don't really get to catch our breath. We don't even really get to examine things. We don't, we just kind of like move on to what the, whatever the next piece is going to be. But it's, it, I mean, and granted, I'm not in the United States right now, so I don't actually get to see the full conversations that are happening. But I've seen some pieces about the fact that he said, you know, like, stand back but stand by or whatever the exact phrasing was but like this should be a way bigger deal mm -hmm. but he, he has lowered the bar so you know like people are like any yeah this is who he is i mean he was asked to say to them stand back and instead stand down stand by to stand down and he said stand stand by yeah and that's what's that's what's alarming is like in in some ways, like maybe it's maybe some worthwhile conversations can come from the fact that you can you you'd have to try really hard at this point to pretend like we don't have mm -hmm. issues in this country. Um, but when that's kind of married or coupled with like the bar being lowered so much, it's like where do those conversations even start? Um, I mean, in the in situation ten, I was thinking. I'm thinking now. I could have taken that black and white American flag, that is kind of almost like a Confederate flag these days that you see people use. It's an ultra right kind of, and 
you know, someone could have said, well, you put that behind there, that's not really. But in a recent rally, Trump rallied, that was the backdrop he used. Not, America, not a red, white, blue American flag, but that black and white flag with the blue line or however it is, that was a huge flag draped behind. And what, it, I mean, those messages just, I mean, it's unreal, really. And he's a super, it's the super spreader in chief. He's going to all these places to the people who believe in him and spreading the virus. And now they're all getting sick and people are dying in all those red states and those red areas. And they're still out there. They come to the next one. And you heard about the one the other night and where the people almost froze to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, and, but they, they do it for him. What is that? I don't know. That's, that's people in need of a leader. <laughs> <laughs> and and they they have decided that he and and he is you know he is doing something that has been done going back which is to exploit white people's racism by telling them they need to be afraid by telling them they need to arm up by telling them they need to man up and and get rid of immigrants get rid of black people get you know um Cory Booker's coming for your suburbs. That yeah. was another one. You know, refuse women's choice around their bodies. All of that whole agenda um, is comforting to those people. Well, disturbing thought to end on. Um, true. <laughs> <laughs> we have just two minutes. I'm doing on Tuesday when the an election party. Election party. Are you guys having an election party? Can I come? Uh <laughs> <laughs> you might, we, you know, it's COVID time, so everything is different. So no election parties. Yeah. Well, I think last election, I was, I was living in San Francisco, and um, we had, we, we came out when the news came out to, a, to an empty city, to a, a quiet I had never heard in San Francisco before. And I was thinking about that recently in terms of shelter in place now and here in France and lockdown and how, how now that silence is normal and what an incredible, like obviously COVID is impacting the world on a global level, but like starting that night, something happened and, and it, and it persists. And yeah, it was, we were living in Claremont, California at the time, and um, we were, there was a neighbor's house we you know, invited to go over with a bunch of people, food, everything to watch the, the returns. And Claudia didn't want to go over, and she had been saying the whole time that Trump's going to win, Trump's going to win. I but, was, you know, uh, no, I was in New York. You were in New York at that day? That's why I didn't want to go over. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you say Trump is going to win, Trump is going to win the whole time. I'm like, no. You knew. I just remember going. Yeah, I remember going over there and just the, as it slowly realization came in effect, people just were quiet, didn't know what to do. Yeah. Well, take good care of yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful that we as a country will take the right turn this time around. Thank you. Yeah, let's hope. Nick. I'm going to remember that. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.